uh, yellow. This is all out and I'm Aja Smith. This is part two and I'm going to go ahead and jump into who this person was and some things that were weird and made me terrified after they were put into context that I was actually in danger, that I was being put in danger. So as I started first talking to this person and, and you know, I'm sitting here trying to give this person, this is before any of this happens, the benefit of the doubt and almost, I don't want to say an excuse, but also trying to be more understanding that this person was older, that this person comes from a different cultural background. So like maybe this is why some of this, these things are happening. It was like weird, but it wasn't completely a red flag, but it was like, okay, this is really, you know, this isn't normal. So the first week that I had casually texting this person went on a date, not dating. This is not my boyfriend. So I'm going out with my friends, you know, we're having a good time. And this person started showing up where I was with my friends unannounced by themselves. And I was like, weird. Yes. Completely a red flag? Maybe not. Because in the, again, when you're thinking of people like this, this person was extremely charismatic. This person was a lot of fun to be around. So that it makes it confusing when you're like, oh, this person's really fun. This, this person's a great time. And then they do these weird things or say things and it's like, oh, that's just, it's weird. It's like not completely a red flag. This person's so, you know, fun to be around and a great time. But then they do these things and it's, it's confusing. And one thing I will say too about, um, you know, speaking on evil is that when I was being assaulted, when this was happening, I'm not sure that anybody can relate to this or anybody that's been in this situation but you could see darkness in this person's eyes. It was like a shark smelling blood. When I say that it's not necessarily even just exactly what had happened or what was even, all of that was already crazy. That was already terrifying. That was already scary. But the look in fucking this person's eyes where I was like, this person is in a full on rage. There's darkness and you could see the evil in their fucking eye. Like, eyes glazed over that's where I was like oh my fucking god like this person could kill that's what's fucking terrifying but another thing was like right before Christmas I was like yeah I'm gonna go see my family for Christmas and this person had casually asked like oh where's your family at for Christmas or like where are you from and I was like oh you know I'm from XYZ this guy pulls out a map and is like where where at uh, X Y and Z and then goes as far to ask me the exact I tell the general area, I'm like, oh, okay, generally over here. And he's like, oh, which one of these streets? Is it this house? And again, I'm thinking, that's weird. Why are you doing that? But not like, oh, a red flag. This person had come to my apartment. And at the time, my roommate and I had one key to the apartment. We had just moved in. So we were keeping it in a lockbox. One of us left. We would put it in there so the other person could use it and get in. I'm leaving. This person looks at lockbox code. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm looking like, what's the code? I'm like, why, why do you, why would you be looking? Why does that matter? He's like, oh, so I can come whenever I want. And I, I said, you can't come here whenever you want. You can't. He's like, oh, we'll see about that. And then laughs it off. Weird, but I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, I'm in danger. This is going to be an issue, a problem. And this is one of the things where it's like, you know, you're starting to rally up. Okay, this person is doing quite a bit of weird things. And this is one of the reasons you're like, I'm getting to the point of, okay, I need, I'm cutting this person off. This person is doing really weird, it's weird behavior. This person had taken videos of me naked without my consent as I was showering. And I'm like, what are you doing? 
I, nobody consented to this. I did not say that you could do this. And I'm sitting here and, you know, you're thinking, and after I'm being assaulted and being put in harm's way, all of these other things are racing through my mind that this person did all this weird fucking behavior and knows where my family lives, knows the lockbox on my apartment, has pictures and videos of me unsolicited on his phone, has shown up places unwarranted, uninvited. It's... And then I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, this shit, I'm, like, even more placed in fear. And the thing is about this person is this person was also a rabbi. This person is Jewish. And a ra- he was a rabbi for an extended period of time. So, again, in my head, too, I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, not to sit here and say that religious people are good people because we all hear about all the horrific fucking shit that happens within a church all the time. But, again, this person's extremely charismatic when I had gone out with this person, the people that known this person were like, oh my gosh, this person is great. They're amazing. They're awesome. And in my head, I'm like, okay, it's weird behavior, but I'm like, okay, it's not like, and it's not normal, but it's not like a red flag. But after it's been put into context, I'm like, oh, this is a dangerous person. And not only that, but this person is extremely successful, very well known, has multiple friends in every aspect And so, you know, this is even more terrifying to me. So, sorry I keep bouncing from part to part, but it all adds up. So, Sunday the 15th, by the end of Saturday night, my ex-boyfriend had convinced me. He had been thinking, he's like, you need to file a police report. You need to make a report of this. This is a dangerous person. And we're going on domestic violence websites, forum. Is it a smart idea to make a report? Because if I make a report, again, is this person going to come back twofold cause harm to my life and not only that is that they're making these open threats saying I deserve to be put down into the ground that he's not going to rest until my life is ruined I better not go xyz I better not do xyz and I'm sitting here like okay shit if I do something if I make a report is this going to enrage this person even more? And what what is he going to do? This is unpredictable. The fact that I barely knew this person and I only knew them for a few weeks and they were so comfortable feeling like they could try to manipulate and control a situation and also physically harm me when I don't even know them. I don't know what this person is capable of. Do I want to test those waters? So I'm texting my therapist and I'm like, hey, is there a way that we can do like an emergency session? By that night, it was already Saturday night. I was like, can we please do an emergency session tomorrow? And I get on the phone with her. I am talking about what had happened, a complete fucking wreck. And she's like, Aja, I am telling you right now, you 100% need to go and make, an, make a report immediately. Because I'm sitting here, again, giving her the points, giving her the bad. I'm like sit, voicing all of my concerns. Like, I don't fucking know who this person is. I don't know what they're capable of. And is this going to be safe for me? And and if this person is friends with people that are in the Indiana judicial system, friends with people that work in the law, what does this mean for me? I'm sitting here thinking about all these things because we've seen time and time again as women, you know, not are only women scared to make a report, but then it's like, I'm sure you guys are wondering, what about pressing charges? And I'm sitting here talking to my therapist. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. Do I make a report? Do I not make a report? My therapist is like, you 100% need to make a report. People like this 
This is not their first time. This is definitely not their first time doing it. There's not even a close of a percent of a, of a chance that this person has not done this to somebody else. And if you don't make a report of this and this person continues to stalk you, continues to harass you, shows up someplace, decides to do something, and there's no report of it, there you go. Like, you're done. And, you know, because you think about, too, how many times have women filed domestic violence reports, made a police report, and you still get murdered. You could still get raped. You could still get assaulted. How many times have that happened? A, a, a domestic violence police report. It's really to scare the other person. And that's something I'm thinking about too. But then again, I listen to true crime. And as women, women, we usually do listen to true crime because who is the pick end of all true crime? Women. Who kill people? Men. Who harm people? Men. And this is one of those things too, is that I've been having this experience where it's like, I was living my life again, feeling great, you know, I was like, I'm a human being. I'm a person. I'm having fun. I'm living life. And then very quickly in the snap of a hat, it was like I was reminded that I'm a woman again. I'm just a woman again. And I have to be extra vigilant. Us as women, we carry pepper spray with us. We carry knives with us. We have extra locks on our doors. And that's what life is like as a woman. And it's terrifying. And I heard the phrase the other day. It's like, when you grow up in a burning house, all you see are flames. And I feel like that's how I feel now. You know, with men, it's like, all we hear men on the internet all the time complaining about like, why do women, women hate men? Why are you such a man hater? And it's like, because men kill women. And then again, it's just like, we live two completely separate fucking realities. And as I've talked to women in real time in my life, it's crazy how many women have this experience. And it's something like a crazy statistic that like 80% of times that there's domestic assault violence, 80% of the time, 80 to 90%, some crazy statistic like that, there will be no report of it. On Sunday, after having this emergency session with my therapist, I call the police. I make a report. Police officer comes to my apartment and I have to go into detail about what has happened. And this police officer is asking me extremely uncomfortable questions. And as he's sitting here writing this down and I'm telling him what has occurred, what has happened, his hands are shaking as he's writing it down. And then I have to go online to file a protective order. So I made a report and then I filed for a restraining order, protective order. I did that on Sunday. The next day on Monday was Martin Luther King Day, so the courts weren't open. I basically had to submit, I had to write, I had to submit all the information I had about the person, about myself. I had to submit, I submitted all the screenshots of text messages. I submitted the emails. I submitted pictures of my bruises. I had to go into detail and type out exactly what happened and submit that to there. This person still was contacting me. This person was still calling me from unknown numbers. This person was still sending me emails and is still today sending me emails. I got an email. What is today? Yeah, I got an email from this person yesterday saying, don't say I never tried. And the thing is too, is like this person would go from saying the most evil shit to I've been getting emails saying, please give me a second chance. This person had not only, has not only done this, this person has emailed not one, or not emailed, this person has not only DM'd one of my friends, but two of my friends, and then also direct messaged my ex-boyfriend. 
And then this person had the guy that I went on a date with text me from a separate number saying, you, you should give him another chance. He's a good guy. No, he's fucking not. And this man is fucking out of his mind. I don't know what says that I'm blocking on you on everything, saying that I am going to contact the police if you don't leave me alone. I'm terrified of you, says I'm going to continue to try to harass you. And then sit here and say, please give me another chance. Don't say I didn't try. Like, you are fucking psychotically out of your mind. It's insane. And it's insane. And what you got, like, what I didn't understand. It's like, you I, you don't realize that somebody's trying to manipulate you until you do. You don't realize that somebody's doing manipulative things until it's in context. And I was talking about my therapist about this. It's like, how did I trust this person? How did I let this person you know, come over. Like, how did this happen? And she's like, Aja, there's been so many studies done on this that when you're being manipulated, it's like psychological warfare. Because this person is very charismatic. They're very fun. But then it's also like their actions are not making any fucking sense. It's psychological warfare. Like, it's almost as if you were drunk and trying to make a valid decision, like a really valid hard decision. A life-altering decision as if you were belligerently drunk. That's just insane to think about. And then I'm like sitting here. I'm angry. I'm going to therapy as many times as I fucking possibly can. And I'm sitting here and, I, and I'm not only sad. I'm not only terrified. I'm not only scared. But there's this deep rage and anger within me that's like, how dare this fucking person How dare this fucking person hurt me? How dare this person fucking violate me? How dare this person put their fucking hands on me? I want them to, I want them to pay for this. And I'm sitting here and I'm like asking my therapist, I'm like, I I, should I, do I need to be pressing charges? What does this look like? I'm reaching out. I'm calling the domestic violence hotlines. I'm sitting here, you know, thinking about like asking people, I'm getting advocates. I'm like, what does this look like for me? Because we've seen so many times that men that are in a powerful position, completely, there's no justice served. There's not justice served. And my therapist said to me, an advocate said to me, um, Aja, you know, I want to, I, you 100% deserve justice. You 100%, you know, this person does deserve to be held accountable for the horrible things that they've done. But... Here in America, it's innocent until proven guilty, and you're dealing with a very successful and somewhat has a power or say in the city of Indianapolis, Indiana. And the most important thing here is your safety. And I'm like, yeah, it's my safety, but then it's just, it's such fucking bullshit. And it such fucking pisses me off that our legal system's like this. And it such fucking pissed me off that it took fucking 10 days to get it to the other fucking county to get it mailed. And it's such fucking pissed me off that they still haven't served it. And it so fucking pisses me off that men live in this fucking world and get to do and traumatize and terrorize women and then get absolutely nothing for it. And I've said this before, I am somebody that believes in karma and I have had a really fucking hard time recently believing that karma is a thing and maybe it'll get them in another life but it is just like how many women does this happen to and as I've talked about this in real time it's like part of me too is I come from a very abusive situation and I was talking about this in therapy it was like were there things about this person that felt familiar to me that felt comfortable to me on a subconscious level because I'm used to being abused 
You know, I'm vigilant. I'm hyper aware of those things because of that, because of my past. But were there things that, you know, the average person or a different person aren't catching on to or would have caught on to that I didn't because this is what comfortable, this is comfortable to me. This is what home feels like to me is abuse. Not that it actually is comfortable, but it's something that I grew up. That's what reality was. I didn't know. I did know that it wasn't normal. I did know that it wasn't right, but I was used to that. And that's fucked up. And it's fucked up that the women in my family, uh, let me think about this. Is that not saying that my biological family, they're not good people. They're just fucking not. They're horrible people. And that's the end of the story. I don't feel bad about saying that because they are. But my mom, I saw her get beat the fuck up by men all growing up. I saw my dad beat the fuck out of my stepmom. I saw abuse all the fucking time. Not only did I experience it, but I fucking saw it all the time. It was always around me. And there's always so many women that it's just like getting beat the fuck up by men, being terrified by men, being terrorized by men. And then, and then what is the kicker of it all is that when a woman talks about it, or talks about how she was traumatized, or talks about the horrendous things that have happened to her, or things that she gone through, that makes her less, it makes her less attractive in society. So not are only women terrorized, traumatized, abused, and it's not only, nobody feels, nobody wants to talk about it to begin with, and then you don't feel accepted to talk about it, because not only are you traumatized, but is some, are people actually going to believe you? And then it's like, Okay, but now you're also traumatized and in society, men want to say that women that are traumatized are less attractive or, you know, people will use it against you to say you've, you've been abused. You, you talk about the abuse and then at some point these people will use it against you. You're like this because you have these issues. You're like this because you experienced abuse and I'm fucking over it. I don't give a fuck and I'm to the point. Where it's just like, I don't care if somebody fucking thinks that I'm less attractive because of the experiences that I've gone through. Because let me tell you, you cannot control what the fuck somebody does to you or what happens to you. And it's not fair that women feel like they fucking can't talk about it. It's not fair that women's lives are at risk for talking about it. It's not fair that men say women are less, that women that have been traumatized or raped or sexualized or raped or harassed or abused, or assaulted, or doesn't have parents, well, they're less attractive. They have issues. That's not fucking fair, and it's not fucking right. And it's not fucking fair that women don't want to talk about it, even more so because of that. And it's so fucking sad. And it's so fucking sad how often it happens. And it's so fucking sad that so many cases go unreported. And it's also even more ridiculous because regardless of what kind of fucking trauma you've been through, whether it seems like more or less than somebody else's, every single person on the planet fucking earth is going to go through something traumatic. Every single fucking person without a doubt. And that's humanizing. But it's also like when trauma happens and these big things fucking happens, it's like life loses its innocence. 
It's like I had kid-like joy and, and I was ready to explore and excited about life and wanting to live my life to the fullest. I want to go on a fucking walk and now it's like life has lost its innocence again and I'm like a kid trying to refine how to enjoy my life and find happiness and find the innocence because again, it's like I'm in a burning house and only see flames. I'm looking around, I'm only seeing men and I'm only believing that men don't have good intentions. And again, men sit here and say, why are women men haters? Why do women hate men? Women are this, women are that. And it's like, again, men worry about if a woman looks like what she is on her hinge profile, on her dating profile, where women are worried about if she's going to get raped, if she's going to be assaulted, if she is going to be physically put in harm or murdered. And men don't want to be gentle with women. And it's really fucking repulsive. Like it even makes me think, you know, we all heard the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. And I'm not saying that this is me. I'm definitely not. But it's definitely a public example. What the fuck? Everybody was so, and it was fucking sick. And it is fucking twisted. And it is so crazy. And even I, even me, I was like, you know, they're like Johnny Depp. No way. Like, these stories, not to say that Amber Heard wasn't fucking weird, not to say that Amber Heard probably was a little bit crazy, but does that mean, what the fuck if she did got her, get her ass beat? What the fuck if Johnny Depp did beat the fuck out of Amber Heard? That's not fucking okay. And what the fuck if she did hit Johnny back, Depp back for the amounts of time that she was beat the fuck up? Because I've seen that before. I've seen it in my own fucking family. I've seen women in my family get beat the fuck up. And God forbid they try to stand up for them fucking selves. It's just a whole fucking thing. And how, how people made it seem also to see that she's a fucking monster. I could not imagine. My therapist told me, Aja, if you, you try to... You know, you go against this man, you press charges on this man legally, they're going to sit here and take anything that you've ever said about men, any person that you've ever dated, they're going to make you out to be a whore, to be this, to be that. They're going to say horrendous things that have nothing to do with anything other than the fact that nobody deserves to be assaulted, point blank, period. Or if anybody's in this situation, or you're even thinking about this situation, or if you're ever in this situation and it's like how many times have women been raped and then and then gone to press charges saying I was violently raped and then they're like prove it prove how you were raped was there a video of it well no how am I going to take a video of it when I'm being raped oh well did you go to the hospital right after Actually, I blacked the fuck out because I was traumatized and didn't know what the fuck to do and feared for my fucking life. Oh, you were in a relationship with this person, but you said that they raped you? That doesn't seem plausible because people in relationships, they have sex. So how could you be raped? How many times have we fucking seen that? How many times has a man assaulted women and got absolutely no fucking consequences for their actions. When is justice served? When is justice served? And it's like, it's like, it's mind boggling. But, but the thing is too, this, this person wants to come and fucking harm me, physically harm me, assault me, whatever the fuck, kill me again. At least I have made a report of, hey, 
this has happened. So if you're ever in that situation, just think about that. Hey, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to press charges. This might be more traumatizing to go through this process too. And the thing is too, since on my end of things, I still don't have a protective order that's been served to this person and it doesn't fully become, I mean, I have it, it's technically effective, but until this person has been physically in person served these papers by a police sheriff's a sheriff officer, whatever the fuck you want to call it, they're not going to get in trouble until it's done. And I'm not releasing this fucking episode until that's done. And I'm not going to be put into fear and try to be controlled by a man that is so highly fucking insecure in himself that he feels like he needs to physically harm somebody to be in control. Absolutely the fuck not. So now I'm going to go through some things that we as women that I have been told when I called the domestic violence hotline, when I called my local domestic violence unit here in Indianapolis, that's where I'm from, what I had been told to do and things to protocol, protocols that I hadn't even necessarily thought of to keep myself safe. One of the things was to completely stay off of social media, which is why I've not, not only have I been fucking rotting in my bed, trying to process what's happened and get through my day-to-day life. I mean, not to keep like expanding on this, but it's also just like I'm going to the grocery store and disassociating and staring at a bottle of yogurt for 10 minutes. And and since this has happened, just to talk about like my physical, physiological body experience I have I've been sleeping a lot like I come home and I take a three-hour nap wake up go back to sleep just to have nightmares I've been having nightmares that I'm getting married to somebody and that this person is coming to find me that I'm being hurt that I'm being abused that I'm being killed I have not even been wanting to take showers because I don't even want to look like I I don't even want to touch my body I feel I have felt so uncomfortable in my own body. It feels like I have a head and then a body that just happens to be here. And it's the weirdest fucking experience to have. It feels like, like, like I don't even, like I, like I said, I don't even feel like I want to get in the fucking shower because it feel, I feel so disconnected for myself. It does not feel like mine. My body was violated. I was violated and it doesn't feel like it's mine. It, it's really a really fucking weird and bizarre experience. My body, I've been so, my body has been cracking like crazy. My neck, my back, my arms. I've been holding so much tension. I'll be at work doing something and all of a sudden I get this deep, deep, deep pit in my stomach. And it, it just like, it feels like somebody's punched you in your stomach, like took in a hammer to your stomach. And it's just like, oh my God, like, I get actually terrified out of nowhere. I'm, I, it's, it's really, really crazy how also my body has been reacting, how I have felt less of a person than I have in my life probably ever. But I'm going to share some of the things that when I called the domestic hotline, domestic violence hotline number, and when I called the Indianapolis unit, domestic violence unit here, a couple centers here, what I had been told 
And I think it's just really important to bring more awareness. And not only do all of us women probably carry a pepper spray, probably a knife, maybe those daggers, maybe a lipstick that looks like, um, or a knife that looks like a lipstick. It's ridiculous the things that we have to do to order to just exist as a human being, being a woman. But some of the things that I was told was, one, stay off social media completely. I said that already. Um, so that their reasoning was like, so this person doesn't know where you're at, where you could be at, couldn't be reacting. It's since it's present, can't be reacting to things that you might be posting um, or finding a way to get to it. Another was to pack an emergency bag of clothes and an extra set of keys, have an extra set of car keys and make an extra set of your apartment keys on your way to work. So if you need to go somewhere, you have an emergency bag on your way to work, take different routes to work, have a code, create a code word with a friend that if you're in trouble, they know to call the police, share your location with more than four people so that they know where you're at at all times. And again, if you have a code word, they can say exactly where you're at and to call the police for you. Have a friend, a couple people that you can either stay with, have that ready to go, like you know that you can go there, or have a hotel on the line that you know that you can go there. They said to keep your battery charged at 100% or really high most of the time in case this person does come and they try to snatch your keys or you need to frantically call the police or you need to get a hold of somebody but this person comes and then your phone is dead or just even going out in general making sure that your phone battery is charged I'm so I was so bad at that before something I didn't even fucking think of was like oh my god or yeah if this person does try to grab my keys what am I gonna do do I have an extra set of keys another was to carry cash with you at all times again if they take your wallet and you don't have any money you can carry cash with you Another was to change all your passwords on everything. Again, this person went through my phone. They were, I know that they sent screenshots of stuff to themselves, which is also a violation of privacy because they had sent me a screenshot. They had sent them to themselves and then sent it to me on a text. Changing all your passwords because if this person goes through your phone, they can get your passwords, get into all your shit. Who the fuck knows what can happen there? have an escape plan out of your home or your apartment or something that you know that like, hey, I can get out another way or this is what I'm going to do if I need to get away or this is what I can do. And those are all things. And I'm sure that, you know, so those are some things. And now I'm also going to just to keep it a little bit more informative. Also, I'm going to read off some domestic violence statistics. And this one is on domestic violence. And then we'll get into rape, stalking, homicide, Um, because all of these things are related and again, stalking is just as bad. Stalking isn't taking seriously at all. But then again, I've known, I saw this person drive by my apartment twice after this and once just like a few days before they left the country. It's not normal behavior. It's unpredictable and it's scary. So anyways, let's continue. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, and just one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. One in four women and one in nine men 
experienced severe intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner contact sexual violence, and or intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injuries, fearfulness, post-traumatic stress disorder, use of victim services, and contraction of sexually transmitted diseases. And after I saw this person, it's the first thing I fucking did was got an STD test because I was like, who the fuck knows what this person is doing? They're unpredictable. I always multiple this person this is another thing this I it's just a health it's a health thing to do to go get yourself tested if you're having you're being intimate with somebody you should always get yourself tested after every partner that's just the fucking truth and I mean like so then beforehand you're like hey this is the last person that I had sex with I know that things are good things are okay I don't think it's fucking cute or funny or innocent to sit here and say oh, I've never gotten tested before because why should I? Nothing's wrong. That's not how that fucking works. And this person was trying to shame me and make me sound like I was a whore for getting STD tested. And it's like, what? That doesn't even make any fucking sense. Like, a whole nother, a whole nother topic. And like, the thing is too, that we're like talking statistically speaking is like this person had told me, And again, like, I don't know, like now putting it into context, it's one of those things where you're like, whoa, what the fuck? Maybe that, you know, this most likely is not true. He would told me that he had been married before. He said his ex-wife had like beat the fuck out of him. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. You know, some men do experience physical violence. So like, maybe that's true. I'm not trying to sit here and say, but I rarely have I ever seen genuinely a woman beat a man's fucking ass or put a man in man's lives in fucking danger. The statistics on that are way fucking different than they are for women. Again, way more women go missing and die from murder of men and rape for men a year than men do. Not trying to sound like men don't have that happen, but let's be a little fucking more real with each other. Um, cause men love to make that fucking argument as if it's valid enough as an argument. It's just not Um, One in three women have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. This includes a range of behaviors, including slapping, shoving, pushing, and in some cases might be considered domestic violence. One in seven women have been injured by a domestic partner and one in 25 men have been injured by a domestic partner. One in 10 women have been raped by an intimate partner and data is unavailable on male victims. One in four women have been victims of severe physical violence, beating, burning, strangling by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And again, I'm not going to get into the details exactly of what have happened to me for legal reasons. But then again, you know that somebody's able to kill you by the fucking look in their eye. And that's what's terrifying. That's what's scary. One in seven women and one in 18 men have been stalked by an intimate partner during their lifetime to the point in which they felt very fearful or believed that they or someone close to them would be harmed or killed. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. The presence of a gun in domestic violence situation increases the risk of homicide by 500%. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. That's quite a big statistic. Women between the ages of 18 to 24 are most commonly abused by an intimate partner. That would include me. I'm fucking 23. I just turned 23. 
19% of domestic violence involves a weapon. Domestic victimization is correlated with a higher rate of depression and suicidal behavior. Only 34% of people who are injured by an intimate partner receive medical care for their injuries. Now we're getting into some rape statistic. statistics. One in five women and one in 71 men in the United States have been raped in their lifetime. 45.4 of female rape victims were raped by an intimate partner. Stalking. 19.3 million women and 5 million men in the United States have been stalked in their lifetime. 60% of female stalking victims and 43.5 men reported being stalked by a current or former intimate partner. 72% of all murder suicides involve an intimate partner. 94 percent of the victims of these murders murder suicides are females so that's where the male would kill the woman and then kill himself um one in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year economic impact of this victims of intimate partner violence lose a total of eight million days of paid work each year eight million days the cost of intimate partner violence exceeds billion per year. Between 21 and 60% of victims of intimate partner violence lose their jobs due to reasons of stemming from the abuse. Between 2003 and 2008, 142 women were murdered in their workplace by their abuser. 78% of women killed in the workplace during this time frame. That's insane. The physical and mental impact statistics. Um, Women abused by their intimate partners are more vulnerable to contracting HIV or other STIs due to forced intercourse or prolonged exposure to stress. Studies suggest that there is a relationship between intimate partner violence and depression and suicidal behavior. Physical, mental, and sexual reproductive health effects have been linked with intimate partner violence, including, including adolescent pregnancy, unintended pregnancy in general, miscarriage, stillbirth, nutritional deficiency, neurological disorders, chronic pain, disability, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as non-communicable diseases such as hypertension, cancer, cardiovascular diseases. Victims of domestic violence are also at higher risk for developing addictions to alcohol, tobacco, or drugs. To break it down a little further for you guys, on average, 24 people per minute are victims of rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner within the United States. More than 12 million women and men over the course of a single year. And the thing is about this is like, you know, so this has happened and then this person is sitting here, you know, not only they're they're doing or saying anything, to try to manipulate or control. This person was saying, please take me back. Hey, I don't actually want to be with you. I just want to be friends. Let's talk about things. And then this person would say threatful things, scary things, loving things all across the board. And I wasn't, for weeks, I have not responded to any of this. And this person is still continuing to do this. And the thing is, is, you know, 
luckily, it's not so lucky, but because of where I come from and the childhood that I had, I recognize that people like this, they do not stop. It's not their first time. And the thing is that this person at this age that they're at, this is not, there's no way this is the first time that's going to happen. And when somebody does this to you, when you're, when somebody physically lays their hands on you and causes you harm, it's not like, oh, it's a one and done, you know, they didn't mean that or, oh, you know, it wasn't really that big of a deal. And something that I've been struggling with, like in my head, that has been so hard because of the abuse that I've had during my lifetime. I've been, I had been questioning myself. I've been questioning myself. Is it that bad? What was it that bad? Because that was normal to me. And that's so fucked up and it's not normal. And it is that bad and it's not okay. And people like this because I grew up in a situation where abuse was very common. These people don't change. They don't stop. And if it happens once, there's 99% chance that it's going to happen again. And, you know, a lot of the times I was, been, I've been talking to women, a lot of the times these men too will try to do tactics like that would put you in a position where they could control you. And that's why I mentioned the thing where he had mentioned, he's like, I want you to quit your job. Well, that's so he could control people financially. This person had said, I want to get you pregnant. What? So I, I voice, I don't want to be pregnant. I don't think I even want children. I'm not interested in that. This person would blatantly say and do these things or try, you know, say these things because the, it's a way to control and trap women to being linked to them. And it's not a genuine intention. And it's not from a good place. It's control and manipulation. And that can be flipped so easy. And these people can make you feel like, oh, no, this is coming from a good place when it's not. I mean, manipulation is when a person uses controlling and harming harmful behaviors to avoid responsibility, conceal their true intentions, or cause doubt and confusion. Manipulation tactics such as gaslighting, lying, blaming, criticizing, and shaming can be completely damaging to somebody's psychological well-being. These behaviors are common and can occur in different relationships, including platonic, romantic, familiar, and professional. And manipulation, you know, a manipulator may use tactics unintentionally or intentionally, and these behaviors might start gradually and can escalate over time. Manipulation involves repeated strategies that diminish another person's well-being to assert power over them. Emotional manipulation is harmful. The person on the receiving end may feel disoriented, question their reality, or doubt their ability to trust themselves or others. And that's exactly how I was feeling. I was so confused and questioning myself. I had said that in the episode previously before any of this had even happened. I was like, This person had made me feel like I'm questioning my own, you know, way to determine things or what's good and what's right. And I was so confused by it and I I wasn't understanding what was happening, you know, and manipulation can be subtle or overt. People of all ages, you know, everybody can be subject to manipulation. Manipulative behaviors include, you know, more like gaslighting, denial, lying, blaming, criticizing, exaggerating, withholding, and more. And so I'm going to go over a few of the 
manipulation tactics that, you know, you might want to, like as women that we've got to look out for even more stay vigilant. I was talking to this about some friends to some friends because eventually I obviously did tell my friends after I was like coming to reality of what's happened and that I was trying to be put into fear and trying to be scared to be controlled. God forbid we have any expectations for men because the bar is literally in hell. Because the bar is, as long as I, you know, I don't get murdered, I don't get raped, I don't get assaulted. And then it's like, God forbid we ask men to be emotionally intelligent, communicate, to be more than literally evil. It's insane. It's literally insane. Yeah, bars in fucking hell. So let's go over some manipulation tactics that you might, you know, we've got to stay even more vigilant for men because most, I, I want to say that a lot of men don't have pure intentions and it's really unfortunate and it kills the innocence of love and kills the innocence of partnership. And right now in this phase of healing that I'm in, I do feel a little bit hopeless in the reality that is men and dating and you know god forbid you even want romance when again the bar is in fucking hell um so spotting common manipulation tactics one is guilt tripping guilt tripping is when someone tries to make you feel responsible or guilty of your actions or decisions and people usually use this to get leverage on what they want. Some examples of guilt tripping is, it was if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have gotten through college. You owe me. Another is, I'm the one who is working all the time while you are spending time with friends. I deserve this expense. Another is, if you can't come over, then I might as well not invite anyone else that night. There's no point then. And like this person would even say things to me if I said, hey, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be sexual or I don't want to hang out. This person would immediately go, not only is this guilt tripping, a tactic of manipulation, but it was also showing signs of extreme insecurity with this person. And a lot of the times when people are controlling, you're trying to be manipulative, it comes from an extreme place of insecurity. And like this person would be like, this person would tell me, I again, I don't even, like, it's so crazy. Like, I didn't even know this person, but for a couple of weeks, and this person felt so comfortable saying and doing X, Y, and Z, which is so mind-boggling. It just goes to show how unwell this person was. This person would be like, well, you're just fucking somebody else. Oh, like, you must just be a whore. You have so many guys in your DMs. And it's like, how insecure do you have to be for me to say, hey, I actually like just spending time by my fucking self, but they can't, you can't, it's, it's mind boggling. Anyways, next manipulation tactic is lying. People with manipulative tendencies often lie to try to control or coerce others, as well as avoid blame or consequences for their actions. For example, a teenager who's been told that they are not allowed to hang out with a particular group might lie about their whereabouts, or they may lie to another parent about being given permission to go with their friends. If one parent doesn't check in with the other parent, the teen may be given permission to go with those friends. Pathological lying may be a sign of mental health condition. Also, I'm getting these sources and like speaking about some of these tactics from, you know, like the domesticviolence.org and this one is Psych Central. Um, Another form of manipulation is flattery. It can be hard to tell the difference between a compliment and flattery. A compliment is given to sincerely point out something positive with no expectation of gain. 
but flattery is often used disingenuously as a tool to gain emotional leverage. With flattery, there's often an expectation of getting something in return. For instance, someone who wants to raise a promotion wants a raise or promotion might regularly praise their manager's strengths and accomplishments. This person would blatantly like give me all these compliments and all these things, but it was in order for them to hear something back. Another form of manipulation is projection. Projection happens when one person claims an emotion they're feeling, such as jealousy, is actually being experienced by someone else. For example, a person with manipulative tendencies might cause tension and drama, but blame someone else for creating that energy. Um, Maggie Holland, a licensed counselor in the state of Washington, she explains that projecting aids a person who manipulates in dodging responsibility for their actions and helps them avoid changing their behaviors, but it can also erode your trust in your own reality, she adds. If you think you might be projecting, Holland suggests pausing and asking yourself, is this my stuff or their stuff? This can be helpful for disrupting projection. Another manipulation tactic is called moving the goalposts. Sometimes, no matter how much you show up for someone who manipulates, they will change their expectations at the last minute to keep you constantly running towards their goalpost. Someone who moves a goalpost can set you up for frustration and exhaustion. Holland explains that with manipulative people, you're never really going to actually reach those goalposts, and your efforts and success won't be acknowledged if you do. Believing in yourself, recognizing your own needs, and disengaging can be helpful for avoiding feelings of demoralization. Holling suggests working to understand your personal values, goals, and standards to feel like you've met your own expectations. Remind yourself that you're just a human being doing the best you can and that is enough. Another form is triangulation. Triangulation can take many forms but happens when a third person is being brought into your communication instead of keeping the issue between two people the two people it impacts. For example, a manipulative person might involve your mother in a disagreement to take their side against you. Now, all of a sudden, you're disagreeing with two people and the odds are not in your favor. It often keeps manipulative people from having to take responsibility and may protect them from feeling like they've lost an argument. Becoming aware of a triangulation can be helpful for spotting it. Love bombing is another tactic. Love bombing is manipulation through excessive attention, often showering you inappropriately with gifts, compliments, affection, and time. These things may be wonderful, which is why which is why it can be confusing. Love bombing is when this feels enrapturing, taking all of your attention, and it's excessive. It might feel great at first, but usually leaves you isolated and makes you lose sight of who you are. Holland explains once you're swept away, this intention might stop and will leave you feeling like you're seeking it out or chasing it down again. If you've already experienced love bombing and are on the other side, give yourself patience and work to get forgive yourself. You're not blind. A manipulative person took advantage of your normal human nature to want to feel desired and cherished. Some ways to feel avoid feeling love bombing. The fourth, so now we're going to go through, you know, four stages of manipulation. The first one is flattery. The first stage is when a person who manipulates puts on a facade of being kind, caring, and helpful. They may act like they want to help you with anything you need, but in reality, they're just trying to get what they want from you. The second phase is isolation. This is when the person who manipulates you may start to isolate you from your friends and family. They might try to convince you that your loved ones don't understand you or 
or want to control you, the goal is usually to separate you from people who might spot the manipulation. And this is one of those things. This person, I would say, hey, I'm going to hang with friends. And this person, again, I don't even fucking know this person, but a couple weeks and they're like, well, you should be putting me above your friends. That's what you do when you're seeing somebody. And I'm like, I didn't have plans with you. And I've had plans with my friends for weeks. Why would I put you above that? Again, but then I'm like, you know, this person just might be really into me. I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things you don't really recognize you're being manipulated till after you realize it. Devaluating and gaslighting is the third step. During the third stage, someone who manipulates may try to make you feel guilty or confused. They might start telling you that you're ungrateful or that you're making them unhappy. The purpose of this stage is to make you doubt yourself, your instincts, and your decisions. It can be very difficult to break free of the manipulator's control at this stage. And that's exactly what the fuck this person would do. He would be like acting so sad and like all these things that I would be like, oh my god, I'm I don't know why you're so sad. And then I would be confused on my own decision making and my instincts and what I was saying, this is a little bit weird. This is a little bit fucked up. This isn't normal. The fourth phase is fear of violence. The fourth and final stage is when the person who manipulates may begin to threaten you. They may threaten to leave you, hurt you, or hurt themselves as a way of keeping you under their control with fear. It can be very difficult to break free from someone who's using threats as a form of manipulation. (sighs) It's tough. So, you know, why do people try to manipulate others? There's a few things here. One of the reasons is to control. People who manipulate might be driven by a need for control or controlling tendencies, which may feel thrilling. Another, a second reason is low self-esteem. Manipulation can be a way for a person to avoid feeling bad about themselves. Um, People manipulate manipulate largely due to their lack of self-confidence or self-esteem. They may not feel as if they have the ability to get what they want on their own. Just so true. And this also person was so flashy, would buy all these like nice things and say that women would only want this person for their nice things. And it's like, you don't really have anything else to offer though. And I think that you feel that way because you lack such a lack of self-confidence and such a low self-esteem that the only thing that you feel like is going to make people like you is the things that you own. So the third though is ego. A common reason among narcissistic people or someone who manipulates, they may believe they are the brightest and most capable person around and might use manipulation to feed their ego that they can outsmart others and gain from their efforts. (laughs) True. Um, A fourth is personal gain. A manipulative person might use these tactics to obtain something they want, such as money, power, or attention. And lastly, avoidance. Manipulation might offer a way to avoid taking responsibility for their own action. So here are seven, and we'll wrap this up here for this episode, is seven tips to avoiding manipulation. Um, It can be sneaky, but we can work around it through some of these sad strategies. The first one is knowing the signs. I've talked through some of them today. Um, I'm sure there's multiple ways that somebody can be manipulated. But um, people who manipulate often exhibit similar types of behaviors. Watch out for people who are overly friendly, make empty promises, or try to make you feel guilty. Two, be aware of your emotions. Evoking strong emotions at its core um, is at the core of most manipulation methods. People who use manipulation often play on your emotions, but remember that 
you can't let them control how you feel. Remember how I told you guys in the episode, Wild Woman versus Male Manipulator, this person had sent me a text message saying something along the lines of like, um, well, fine, then I just won't see you at all. Um, and I didn't even respond to it. I was like, fine, cool, whatever. Like, I'm not dealing with that. No, that's not my vibe. Um, and then this person called saying, ah, it was a joke. It was a joke. But that wasn't a joke. That was trying to evoke some type of emotion out of me to try to make me feel bad about something. Um, manipulation. The third tip is to stay calm. It can be important to stay in control of yourself and not lose your cool when dealing with people who manipulate. Don't let them rattle you or get under your skin. Fourth is avoid personalizing. Even though manipulation can be hurtful, try to internalize that this behavior has nothing to do with you. Manipulation has more to do with the other person and their inability to meet their own needs in a healthy way. The fifth is to listen. While it doesn't feel good for someone to attempt to manipulate you, being confrontational can inflame the situation. Try listening with empathy. And lastly, tell someone you trust. It can be emotionally draining and hurtful in dealing with someone who is manipulative. Talking with a close friend or family member about what you're experiencing can be healing. Close friends and family can often give you great feedback and advice. And it's helpful to have a listening ear when dealing with someone who manipulates. So, you know, as I move forward, I think about, you know, is it weird now that I, I sometimes I'm like, well, now this is weird. If I sit here and talk about this, I'm talking about this thing that I'm going through and is like how, you know, it feels like this big thing has happened and how do you move on? And sometimes I feel like if you share really big things, then people only see you as that really big thing that happened to you instead of who you are as a person. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, good people, genuine people, that's not going to be an issue. That's something that I think about. And if you've ever been through that, or if you're wondering if you want to talk about something, but then you're like, this isn't what I want people to know me for. This isn't what I want people to see or think of when they look at me is like, oh, this thing that happened to this girl or she, now we identify her with this. And although like we are our experiences, it's not who you are your experiences doesn't mean like this is who I am the abuse that I've encountered isn't who I am I can still continue to be happy I can still continue to be funny I can still continue to enjoy my life and I know those things sound so simple but it it can feel like in your head that after you're like "Mm, I'm going to decide to face this and talk about this and allow people in my reality I'm it's dangerous for me to be sharing something so big a part of myself publicly or to to putting it on the internet other people know that about me there are risks with that there's I have again I have people that could sit here and use these things against me luckily I'm not sound like a fucking cunt but like, not to sound, like, ridiculous, I'm beyond that. I'm a stronger person than that. But there are people out there that even if you do and you're scared of that, I wouldn't fucking let that deter you because at the end of the day, good people are going to actually see you and hear you and empathize with you and be there for you and vice versa. When women say, hey, Actually, I know that this is scary. I know that this is uncomfortable. It brings us together. I was getting my hair done the other day and I started talking about, we got on the topic of men and talking about this in the hair salon and it was so healing and so 
validating to hear other women talk about their experiences and to have just talking about your experience as a woman existing in this world where murder, rape, assault, and all these violent, horrible things happen so often. And any man that wants to sit here and shame you, make you feel like shit, or try to put make you seem like you're just a dumb doe for talking about it or even having these experiences, they can fuck off. And it's just even more so like, this is off topic, but into the conversation of like, women being comfortable dying alone. It's like, I would rather die alone and be single and then to deal with somebody that's going to say or treat or be that way towards me and you and it's something we all have to think about. So, you know, I will continue to try to update how I'm feeling or healing. A lot of the times I'm just trying to avoid this and right now I'm trying to have hope and have fun and you know, I know that all men are not bad and that I can have fun with men. But right now, I do feel really like I don't even want to deal with it. I, I feel like I'm, I've just am exhausted. I don't even want, in my head, I'm like, I don't even want to deal with this. I'm so just like, ah, but I'm also so enraged and so to hear. And I think it's good for men to hear what it's like for women to exist. Um. So anyways... I hope you guys have a good week and I'll see you next week. Love ya. Bye.